Good morning and welcome back to 10 Minutes of Meaning, our weekly study of the Ramchal of Moshe Chaim Lutzato's monumental, brilliant, life-changing and transforming work, Mesila Sisharim, offering a formula and a guide to how to live our best lives, how to become our best selves, how to achieve the most in our lives. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year, Chani Eleni Grunstein, in memory of Chani's beloved father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak. Also, this morning's Shear is sponsored by Eric and Lisa Pincus and family in commemoration of the 10th year inside of Eric's mother, Barbara Pincus, Zichron Lavracha, and Neshama Shalav and Aliyah, through the wonderful, wonderful work and the chesed and the leadership the Pincus show on a regular basis. We are up to chapter 17, Perak Zion of Mesila Sasharam. We have been going through steadily and incrementally and slowly in growing in the different areas that Ramchal, this formula that he has embraced and that he has taught us about how to be our best selves. Beginning with Zihiras mindfulness, how to be present in every thought, in every decision, in every word that we say, in everything that we do. Zrizas, alacrity, zeal, enthusiasm. Don't be apathetic and don't be lazy and don't be complacent, but set goals and make resolutions and then run to pursue in order to achieve them. Then we moved over to Nikias, how to get rid of those voices of temptation how to try to purge the negative voice of self-sabotage. And then we moved over to Precious, how to live a life of discipline and dignity. And now Tahara, how to not only do the right things, but do them for the right reasons. Tahara, to purify our heart and to purify our mind and to purify our soul and to live a more pure existence, a more pure life. So we're up to Darche Kniyasa Tahara, the way to acquire purity. How do we grow and how do we live that way? How do we achieve that? How do we purify our own minds and our own souls so that our attitude, our approach, our conversations, our interactions in life come from a place of purity? Nathan, enjoy St. Louis. Return safely. We began with this last week. Says the Ramchal, acquiring this virtue of living with purity, of purifying ourselves, you know, it's a very noble ambition. In our time, in the world we're living in, it's not considered a goal at all. The goal is happiness, not holiness. The world we live in says, be happy and do whatever it takes to make you happy. And as long as you don't hurt or injure another party, your happiness is what matters most. But we come from a people, we come from a tradition that says, happiness, that's not our goal. Holiness, to live for holiness, to live for tahara, for purity, to be a pure person and a pure soul, to be pure and to be trustworthy and faithful in our relationships, in our interactions, in our actions, in our conversations, not only externally in our deeds, but internally in our mind, in our emotions, in our soul. We don't live for happiness, we live for holiness. And here's the thing, when you achieve holiness, when you live and you strive and you pursue holiness, you find happiness. You're a happier person when you are realizing the reason that we're here, when our soul is on fire, when we are nourishing our soul, and when we are in contact with our soul, we not only are able to live holier lives, but that leads and generates to happier lives. And the way to do that is, A person should be contemplative, mindful, thoughtful of just how repulsive the pleasures of this world are. If you think about for a moment, whatever is your vice and whatever is the thing that is your kryptonite, potato chips, corn chips, chocolate, babka, whatever it is, looking at the wrong things on the internet, listening to the wrong things, repeating the wrong things, whatever is your vice, if you just think about it for a moment, if you let it settle in, if you would contemplate and if you would meditate and if you'd ask yourself, is it worth it? Is what I am is what I'm absorbing or what am I putting into my body or my soul? Will it create a lasting pleasure 
Or is it something that is going to sabotage and compromise and corrupt who I am and my pleasure? Will it leave me feeling happy or guilty? Will it leave me feeling proud or ashamed? What will its impact be on me? And when you think for a moment and you look at it and you see it's poison, it's kryptonite. It's in the way of my happiness and holiness. It's in the way of living my best self. Then you will be able to recoil and withdraw from it. We should find them repulsive and see them as ills and defects of a corporeal, obscure, and crude nature. In other words, look at it as poison. Look at it as the obstacle. If you saw something or someone, if there was a threat or a danger that sought to undermine your health in this world, your longevity in this world, your ability to be with your children and your grandchildren in this world, would you not avoid at all costs? Would you not confront? Would you not take down? Would you not identify the threat and try to respond to it? Well, these negative influences, be they physical or spiritual, are threats. Make no mistake. They seek to compromise. They seek to shorten our life. They seek to take away from the meaning and the purpose of our life. And equally, we need to identify, be aware of, and we need to neutralize those threats. We have to identify them as a threat. We have to see them as the danger they are before we're going to neutralize, before we're going to react, before we're going to create boundaries, before we're going to improve our defense to them. You first have to identify and recognize they are a threat. They are seeking to undermine. The more time that we think about, that we study, the more time that we shift our mindset to recognize that that momentary pleasure in fact, for the long term, is an enormously dangerous threat. Then, Then the more we can purify our thoughts, the more we can avoid being tempted. Nobody's tempted to consume poison. If you ever ate something and you had a bad reaction, you ever ate something and it left you feeling violently sick, then next time you see it, you recoil. Whoa! That's poison. That's dangerous. I don't ever want to go there again. You're not tempted. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to overcome the urge. You simply look at it and say, Mm-mm, not going there again. Never, ever want that reaction. We should look at all the poisons, spiritual and physical, all the poisons that come through our eyes, our ears, our mouth, with our hands, all those poisons, they threaten us. They are a danger to us. And the more that we recognize, the more we live with that, then the more tahor, the more pure we will be in our thoughts, in our attitude, in our approach, the less of a struggle it will be. And our actions in relation to the physical, temporary, corporeal always behave like one who is being coerced. That really want to avoid it, we don't want it. In the same manner that we divided when we defined purity, we spoke about it in two different categories. Our attitude towards our eating and our sleeping and our physical pleasure and our conversations, the physical, external, material world. And the second is in our spiritual pursuit, in the spiritual service, in trying to nourish our neshama, our soul. So just like when we defined purity, this purity in what I do, in the physical world, 
and this purity in my attitude and my ambition, my aspiration in the spiritual world. So too in the definition of acquiring, in the recommendations and the suggestions, in the formula for what we need to do to acquire purity, we need to address them separately. In order to purify one's thought in the domain of the temporary physical worlds, you're tempted. You're tempted to look, to say, to speak, to do, to go in the physical world, to eat. Just think about the consequence. Just think about the result. Just read or study about people who did not overcome the urge or the instinct, who gave in to the impulse and how it ruined their lives, how it ruins our health, how it compromises our emotional health, our mental health, our relationships. And that should hopefully generate this feeling of recoiling, of resisting, of the recognition that that impure contaminant, that poison, that image, that icon, that idea, that activity, that action, that food, it's poison. It's a contaminant. It will destroy me. Who pursues poison? Who eats or doubles down or goes back again for more poison? So the problem is we don't see it as poison because in that moment it just looks good. It looks delicious. It sounds pleasurable. We crave it. We have an appetite for it. We're tempted by it. We desperately want it in that moment. But we have to stop and pause. And we have to recognize and reflect and say, yes, there'll be a pleasure for the moment. But what will I give up in the long term? What will the impact be? How will I feel after? Will it contribute to happiness or holiness? It won't contribute to happiness. It will contribute at most to the pursuit of happiness, but not even to really achieving it. So that's in the world of the physical. Be contemplative. Be thoughtful. Consider for a moment the way that we behave, the lifestyle that we live. What will it create? What will it lead to? What will the end look like? Biroa esa nolad. Fast forward the script and say, a lifetime of eating that way, a lifetime of behaving that way, a lifetime of speaking that way, a lifetime of looking at those things, a lifetime of what will it result in? Will my relationships be enriched and enhanced and elevated or will they struggle? Will they struggle because that's what I look at, that's who I speak to, that's how I behave. What will my health look like in the long term? What will my lab reports look like? What will my longevity look like? In each of these areas to to not just give in to the urge or impulse of the moment, but to stop and be thoughtful and contemplative, to see ahead and to recognize those Cape Cod kettle cooked once in a while, nothing wrong, special treat. But if they're part of a regular diet, what will it look like and what will the consequence be? 8.45, Living with Emuna. Join us tonight at 9 o'clock. We're going behind the Bima. Congressman Richard Torres of the Bronx, New York, who has been a tremendous Self-described progressive Democrat, tremendous friend of Israel, and has withstood enormous pressure and hate because of it. We'll be speaking to him as well. We'll have Joseph Borgen, who was beat up, who was terribly beat up and maced in Manhattan last week simply for being a Jew. Both of them are guests tonight behind the beam at 9 p.m. Until next time, and hopefully I'll see you back in 15 minutes for, behind, for living with Amuna. But until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.